0: Hey everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages.
1: My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife, as always, Liberty.
0: We're a married couple with different hobbies and we try to drag each other into them by discussing the latest news in both books and sports.
1: We're recording the book episode first this week, which is a little strange for us, but uh, my work schedule got screwball due to personal health the things. Holidays, oh holidays,
0: more than anything.
1: I don't think it's MLK Day that's my- ruining this.
0: My weird doctor's appointment this week was supposed to be out on a Monday if it wasn't for the holiday. Ah, uh, so got it. Because I have to have an appointment later in the week, we had to shuffle and adjust and everything else. Yeah, this we, whole weekend is a mess.
1: We got really lucky that we have a lot of new leaders in the building and they've all been learning lots of things from me. So in turn, they owe me some favors, which include changing shifts. Yep. So that worked out. Kind of well for us.
0: But it does mean we're recording this episode on Saturday and not Sunday. We're recording it at night and not in the morning. It's all very weird.
1: And we're all a little grumpy because we want to go to sleep. And, you know, we're old people, clearly.
0: I've been ready to sleep since 3 this afternoon.
1: (laughs) I don't know that I've been that tired all day. I still have enough energy to probably get through this episode, and then I'm going to crash like a boulder.
0: But we are also recording what will be the last episode of season three, which means we're also going to be discussing a lot of new releases for February. We're also discussing more books than usual that I'm going to read because I read a lot. So we should probably just get to it.
1: That sounds like a good plan.
0: It's mostly adaptation news, but there are a couple of other things happening in the news of books this week. Otessa Moschfingh, has a debut novel called Eileen, which is currently filming its adaptation in New Jersey with Anne Hathaway. The project seems to be pretty hush-hush for now. You think Anne Hathaway is a vampire?
1: No, you said mosh fang. (laughs) I was doing fangs like a vampire, like I'm going to suck your blood. I'm sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt you. I
0: have heard the theory that Anne Hathaway is a vampire.
1: Well, she doesn't age, so that probably helps the cause. Probably.
0: However, a Jersey mayor confirmed on Twitter that Anne Hathaway will star in the anticipated crime drama. Shea Wiggum from Boardwalk Empire and Thomason McKenzie from Last Night in Soho are set to star alongside Hathaway. Eileen follows the story of a young woman whose disappearance shakes a small town. Readers learn that Eileen's life is much more disturbing than it appears on the outset.
1: Dun, 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 small town and disturbing things. That's always a good time.
0: Hopefully they don't try to romanticize the small town because that's not what small towns are like.
1: They probably will a little bit, but realize all small towns are different and you are very dead set that like they're all the same. It's like small town Oklahoma is the same as small town They're all different.
0: I just don't think they are like how they are portrayed. Gotcha. Like uh, Stars Hollow, not a thing 90% of the time.
1: In the Northeast?
0: The small town, everybody loves everybody source situation that oh, just doesn't exist most of the time. a television
1: show, so, like, that's way over the top. Like, everybody knows everybody. That doesn't mean everybody likes everybody.
0: And Wes Anderson is set to direct another Roald Dahl adaptation for Netflix. This production is said to be backed by Netflix, which recently purchased the rights to Dahl's full catalog. The movie is based on the short story, The Wonderful Story of Henry Sugar. It was first published in 1977 and is about a gambler who practices meditation in order to see through the cards. He then opens orphanages with his winnings, which doubtful, but I'll follow you on that one. Currently, Benedict Cumberbatch is set to play the lead role, while Ralph Fiennes, Dev Patel, and Ben Kingsley will also appear in the movie.
1: I, can't, I feel like you can't go wrong with including Cumberbatch in something because, like, A, he already has a pretty large following with everything he does, but he's not a bad actor. Like, he's professionally trained, like, a theater actor. So, mm-hmm. like, it's going to be good.
0: And Ralph Fiennes is pretty good as well. Yeah. Maya Angelou has become the first Black woman to appear on the U.S. Quarter. It went into circulation on Monday, January 10th. She is one of the most celebrated American poets of the last century. But not only a poet, Angelou was also a passionate civil rights activist. It was announced in October of last year that she will be one of five American women to appear on the U.S. quarter this year. The quarters are part of the American Women Quarters Program, which works to honor select women from a variety of professions. The other four women are astronaut Sally Ride, actress Anna Mae Wong, Cherokee Nation leader Wilma Mankiller, and suffragette and politician Nina Otero Warren.
1: Man killer. No wonder she was a leader.
0: I mean, they didn't pick her because of her last name, I'm assuming.
1: Well, no. She probably did something really big for, like, Indian people's rights or something along those lines, I would imagine. I don't know her, but that's because American history is not taught properly here in the States. It's
0: garbage. It's absolutely garbage.
1: horrible. It's more of like, hey, we dominated the world over and over and over again. That's the news and the history of the world. So like,
0: it's awful. It's whitewashed history.
1: Drastically.
0: But I mean, if you collect quarters, it's definitely something to make sure you get one.
1: Well, absolutely. I don't know that it'll have a whole lot of value other than a quarter at the moment, but like maybe a hundred years from now when there's less of them in circulation.
0: Probably. Speaking of things becoming worth more money over time. A single page of a Spider-Man comic book sold at an auction on Thursday, January 13th, for more than $3 million. Page 25 from 1984's Secret Wars number 8, with artwork by Mike Zeck, sold at Dallas-based Heritage Auctions for $3.36 million. The book tells the origin story of Spider-Man's black costume that slowly morphed into the anti-hero known as Venom. I don't know enough about Spider-Man and Venom to tell you whether that's true or not. It's just what was in my article.
1: 100% true.
0: All right. Good job.
1: That's why it was worth Jordan so much was money. Action. And there's not a lot of copies of it still floating around. I think less than like 20. So to Well,
0: if you want one, you need to have very many millions of dollars.
1: Clearly. Because for one page, they bought that much.
0: But the bidding for that page started at only $330,000. That's insane. Yeah. Page 24 of the same book sold moments earlier for $288,000. Quite a price difference.
1: Well, yeah, because it's technically, I believe, the first page where he's like actually morphing into the black Spider-Man It's the first page where you actually see like the full suit. Correct. Yeah.
0: And as of when I wrote my notes, the details about the purchaser were not made public, so we don't know anything about them.
1: A lot of those auctions, they do... keep them very private. So that makes sense. Like the last thing you want to do is be robbed of your $3 million page.
0: And I know you probably thought this person was gone and back in the freezer for like 10 months, but no, incorrect. Mariah Carey will be publishing a children's book called The Christmas Princess.
1: I feel like she's releasing this at the wrong time of the year.
0: I feel like that's a publishing decision, not her decision. Yeah. But she said that the book gives readers the chance to break out of the, quote, bleakosity of the last year and a half and escape to an enchanted land.
1: Of Mariah Carey and Booble Christmas songs on Where every page. Bleak
0: bleakosity is a word.
1: Yeah. She's Mariah Carey. She says what she wants. Everybody else just gets on board with it, okay?
0: No, I will not get on the bleakosity <laughs> train.
1: That's fair. That's fair.
0: It'll be a bleak day when that happens. bleak day. Stop. <laughs> but that was the news for our last episode of season three.
1: I feel like it wasn't as bad as I expected it to be because it was like a season wrap-up, so it's like there could be a million other news things, but that's that's good, I guess.
0: But we also have the February new releases, and that does take a chunk of time.
1: There are some big names with books coming out in February.
0: The first book I want to discuss are not big names, but they are coming up with a YA horror that I've already read and discussed on the podcast, so I'll try to keep this one brief. Horror Hotel by Victoria Fulton and Faith McLaren releases on February 1st. It's a YA horror slash thriller about a group of teenage ghost hunters who spend the night in a haunted LA hotel. I rated this one 3.75 stars originally when I read it from NetGalley. So that's a pretty decent rating. It definitely could have been better in some aspects, but like it was good.
1: I was going to say, as long as it's not below three, it's usually okay of a book. Like you're, I've always said you're a hard grader when it comes to books, but that's just because you have a method that's different than myself, anyways.
0: Well, I would disagree with that, but I've just read a lot more than you have. So I've done a lot more rating than you have. That's true. But another one coming out on February 1st is This Woven Kingdom by Tahira Mafi. It's book number one in the series of the same name, and it's a new YA fantasy series. This one is pitched as a story of clashing empires, forbidden romance, and a long-forgotten queen destined to save her people. And I wrote that I'm hoping this one will be better than the YA dystopian slash fantasy series that she came out with a long time ago now. At least a decade ago, I feel like. Because I didn't enjoy that series.
1: I was going to say, and that's where I recognize her name. And I didn't know it was for a bad reason, though. But man, I know it's been around the block for a while.
0: Yeah. And then a book that I literally just finished reading the arc of hours ago is Dead Silence by S.A. Barnes. It comes out on February 8th, and it's an adult science fiction slash horror novel. It's a genre we've realized that I enjoy, the two together.
1: I really want to get you to play the game Dead Space, because I feel like that's kind of the same thing.
0: Is there murder?
1: There is, and there's like all sorts of like creepy sci-fi stuff in there as well. Like what? Like monsters and things. Like alien monsters and things.
0: What, What kind of alien monster?
1: We'll have to look it up at some time. It's been a long time since I've played it. I mean, it. it
0: doesn't sound bad. Yeah. But in the book Dead Silence, a woman and her crew board a decades lost luxury cruiser and find the wreckage of a nightmare that hasn't yet ended. And this one I rated four stars when I read it from NetGalley this past week. I think for me, there was just a little bit missing. And part of that was that I could see a lot of these like certain plot points coming which I don't love but at the same time it got dark and creepy and weird which I always want the books to do. I want it to like go there to take it to that point. I don't want you to go. It's dark and haunting and stuff in your synopsis, but then when I read it go to whom? Uh-huh. To a, to a child? Right. So
1: You're like sure it is. I
0: will say though that this book uses something I don't enjoy as like a storytelling method, but it does it in such a way that I don't dislike it in this one. And that's the unreliable narrator, but it's done in such a way where it's like plausible plus like, is she really an unreliable narrator or is she not? Right. So it kind of made that okay. Coming out a week later is House of Sky and Breath by Sarah J. Mass, releasing on February 15th. It's book number two in the Crescent City series, and it's an adult fantasy series. I won't describe the plot of book two, really, because if you haven't read book one...
1: Spoilers!
0: In the first book, Bryce Quinlan and Hunt Althalar try to get to the bottom of a cold case. I wrote that weird. It's a cold case involving murder. In this book, they need to look over their shoulders as the fallout from the first novel comes crashing down around them.
1: Sounds good. Like, it seems like a decent series. And I know, obviously, Sarah J. Mass is, like, one of the most popular authors in the YA business.
0: Well, it's an adult novel. I have to specify, like, it's very specifically adult. Because there is this conversation in the book community of whether her book should be YA or adult.
1: It's kind of in that weird gray borderline area.
0: Because... I could see how books one and two of her Throne of Glass series could be considered young adult or new adult, but everything after that either gets really, really dark or really, really sexy times. And so, like, I really think those two things paired together really make it into the adult side of things. And I've heard the same thing about the other series that I haven't read, The Court of Whatever. I think the first one is A Court of Thorns and Roses, but I don't know if that's what the series is called.
1: You're asking me, but I don't know even Oh, no, near. I'm
0: not asking you. I'm just thinking out uh, loud. I okay. know you don't know this. That's good. Coming out February 22nd is The Paradox Hotel by Rob Hart. It's an adult science fiction novel. In the synopsis for this one, I'm going to try to keep it short, even though the synopsis on Goodreads is very, very long. For January Cole, running security at a fancy hotel shouldn't be much of a challenge, except the paradox is no ordinary hotel. Here, the ultra-wealthy guests are all anxiously waiting to catch their flights to the past, and proximity to the time port makes for an interesting stay. The clocks run backwards on occasion, and rumor has it ghosts stroll the halls.
1: That sounds like an interesting one. I actually might enjoy reading that one.
0: I have the Net Galley arc for this one, so I'll be reading it before it comes out on the 22nd. And the last one I've listed, not necessarily because I'm excited for this one, but because she is a very popular author in her genre, so I feel like I need to list this one. Coming out on February 22nd is The Paris Apartment by Lucy Foley. It's an adult mystery slash thriller novel from one of the beloved writers in the genre, In this one, Jess needs a fresh start, so she goes to crash at her half-brother Ben's apartment in Paris, but when she shows up at the apartment, it is better than he can afford, and he's not there. The longer he stays missing, the more Jess starts to dig into her brother's situation and the more questions she has. The socialite, the nice guy, the alcoholic, the girl on the verge, the concierge, everyone's a neighbor, everyone's a suspect, and everyone knows something they're not telling.
1: This kind of sounds like that TV show that we watched together.
0: Only murders in the building. That yeah. was a good
1: show. Very similar to that. Like is kind of the, what I'm feeling, but obviously in but Europe. Parisian. Yeah, I was going to say, but in Europe, ooh, fancy.
0: So the diner they go to when the alarm goes off is uh, actually a boulangerie. Boulanger. Boulangerie. As for what I've been reading this past week, I've read mostly science fiction, yeah. which I appreciate.
1: Two out of three? Mm -hmm. Not too bad.
0: Well, first I finished Leviathan Wakes by James S. A. Corey. I didn't have a ton left to read of that. It's a 2011 release and book number one in the Expanse series, so I am on my way. 18 things in this freaking series I have to read. That's
1: why they call it the expanse series, because it just goes on and on and on and on think and on. Because so. it seems pretty expansive of a series, as it were.
0: I don't think that's why it's called that. Yeah. But this one is an adult science fiction novel. I would almost say it's like a sci-fi mystery to a degree. I ended up rating this one 4.25 stars. In this one, we followed Jim Holden, who is the exo of an ice miner making runs from the rings of Saturn to the mining stations of the belt. When he and his crew stumble upon a derelict ship, they find themselves in possession of a secret they never wanted, one that someone is willing to kill for. It's it's
1: like my kind of book, I feel like.
0: It's very dense. I feel like we got to get some other non-hard sci-fi under your belt before we get you to the Expanse.
1: Okay, sounds like a good idea.
0: Then I read what might be my least favorite book of the year. I'm not sure. I need to go back and look at my notes. But it's What I'm Looking For by Karen Gray. It's a 2020 release and book number one in the Boston Classics series. And it's an adult romance novel that is part of the anthology that I bought roughly this time last year and only made it half of the way through. I'm finally back on reading them slowly but surely. This one I rated two stars.
1: Yeah, it's not very good based on that rating.
0: The synopsis for this one is that a bartender and a woman working in finance hit it off at the bar that she goes to after work with her colleagues. It's one of the boys clubs where she has to struggle to fit in. I didn't know this before I read it, but it's set in the 80s, so that was really weird. I think the first thing I noticed was she talked about using a corded phone. I'm like, who the hell does that?
1: Some people still it, because I, I literally sell those little springy corded adapters for corded phones still to this day well, at work. Weird. So kind of a weird thing to sell, but we have it.
0: Well, I mean, she was someone in her late 20s, so I wouldn't have expected that out of her. But it was the 80s,
1: apparently. I'm going to find a way to jerry-rig one of those to your cell phone and the charger. So like every time you walk, it's just like attached to like the springy Does that cord? mean
0: I could charge from one section of the room and then walk around on my phone? <laughs> yeah. Guess what? I still wouldn't do it. but this one had a lot of like sexist and like misogynistic tones that it never really like addressed it was just like it was the 80s so this is how it was in the workplace i'm like but we're writing this book at least 2018 2019 2020 because it came out in 2020 so like we don't have to let it just pass by our novel without saying or doing something
1: yeah i get that So
0: that was pretty gross. The only saving grace that kept this from being a one-star is the main character named Will, the love interest, and that's about it. You liked Will? Yeah. Though this was supposed to be, like, kind of steamy and, like, sexy, and my problem with that is... The author would describe on the page, like, the most bland kiss or sex scene I've ever read. And then the main character in her head was like, this is the best kiss or best sex I've ever had. And I was like, oh, honey, I really hope that's not true.
1: So what you're comparing it to is, like, those Christian love novels who are like, and then I held his hand, swoon.
0: I've never read one of those, but I'm going to assume it's pretty much the same.
1: So I I think I told you about the people I sat next to on the flight up to Oklahoma for Thanksgiving. And they were two very Christian Oklahoman women. and They
0: were older ladies, right?
1: Well, one of them was. One, oh, okay. The other one was her daughter. So, like, I would say she was probably maybe a year or two younger than us. but oh,
0: okay.
1: Not that much younger.
0: I was picturing two little old ladies the whole time.
1: <laughs> no. Um, but... They were reading a book like that, and I I literally would just, like, peer over every now and again and just read, like, a paragraph because I'm like, I didn't bring a book. I'm really sad now. There's a book here next to me. Maybe I should read a paragraph of this. And I was like, this is awful. Oh, my you God. Know, please stop.
0: Sometimes people just have bad taste in books. Clearly. And, and so you don't need to share in that. Yeah. It you, was, you don't have to.
1: It was rough, and... Like, they were nice folks, and they wore their masks on the plane. And those were the two requirements I required as people sitting on my aisle uh, on my flight. So they didn't bother me, but it was just like, boy, that's a choice to read a book like that. Like, it must be so boring.
0: Some people like Christian fiction. I think when I was in the religion, I read a couple of Christian, like, horror novels, which I can discuss at some other point, but it's basically like to scare you straight or whatever.
1: Yeah. I don't think like it's a bad category for it to exist. It's just different from like everything else. That's I'm going to make days. us
0: read one for season.
1: <laughs> I I'm on board. Uh, I'm on board. I will probably hate every second of it, but for the entertainment value, it might be worth it.
0: Right. Yeah. And off of that tangent, I finished Dead Silence today by S.A. Barnes. I've already mentioned it. It was a neck galley arc for me and the book comes out february 8th it's an adult science fiction slash horror novel that i rated four stars this is the titanic meets the shining in which a woman and her crew board a decade's lost a luxury cruiser and find the wreckage of a nightmare that hasn't yet ended it was really good sounds good As for what I plan on reading next, it's going to be a couple weeks until we record again so I'm just going to list the ones that I know for sure I will read and if I read anything else I'll bring it up next time. First is the chunkiest book on my TBR for the month, House of Earth and Blood by Sarah J. Mass. It's a 2020 release and book number one in the Crescent City series. It's an adult fantasy novel it follows bryce whose best friend was murdered two years ago and the suspect was put behind bars but now more murders of the same mo are happening so she pairs up with a fallen angel to solve the case and put the real murderer behind bars and i'll also be reading the paradox hotel by rob hart this is a net galley arc comes out on the 22nd of february it's an adult science fiction novel This one has been pitched as a locked room murder mystery set at a hotel for time travelers in which a detective must solve an impossible crime even as her own sanity crumbles.
1: That sounds even better than the way you described it earlier.
0: Well, I knew I'd be bringing it up twice, so I had to come up with two different ways to discuss it.
1: Well, you definitely made the more exciting one last, which I guess you saved best for last in that instance, which is great choice. Yes.
0: And then I'm going to try to get to Giant Days, Volume 7 by John Allison. It's a 2018 release and part of an adult comic series. In this series, we follow Susan, Daisy, and Esther as they attend university. But in this volume, we don't only follow them as they go to classes and look ahead to the future. We also follow them through grocery store protests, family reunions, and an M-M-O-R-P-G wedding.
1: <laughs> That's going to be a choice. A, a wedding based off of an M-M-O-R-P-G? Oh, boy.
0: They're role playing a man and his wife.
1: No. Really? really? Is that what they're doing? No, I don't oh. know. So I'm like, That's what so other cheesy. roles
0: would there be for a wedding? An orc getting married to a druid?
1: That's kind of more the speed I was thinking, yeah.
0: I, I don't appreciate
1: that. Yeah, well, no. good luck. It's what you're going to read.
0: And then I plan on reading two novellas set in the Expanse series by James S. A. Corey. The first is The Butcher of Anderson Station. Its release was in 2011, and it's the first novella in the Expanse series.
1: So it's an oldie but a goodie. Hopefully. Yeah.
0: We basically got a summary of this story in the first book, but now we get to read what actually happened way back when. So that'll be fun. It's a story about Colonel Fred Johnson before he became the leader of the Outer Planets Alliance. And the other one I'm going to get to is Gods of Risk, which was a 2012 release and the second novella in the Expanse series. As tension between Mars and Earth mounts, 16-year-old David Draper is fighting his own lonely war. He's a gifted chemist vying for a place at the university. However, he leads a secret life as a manufacturer for a ruthless drug
1: dealer. I feel like these are getting more intense by the book.
0: Well, I mean, the first one is called The Butcher of Anderson Station, which is where this guy murdered a bunch of people. So I feel like that's worse than the other one. A little bit, but only a little bit.
1: I don't know. I feel like a 16-year-old making drugs for a drug dealer is probably pretty bad, too.
0: But is he murdering people?
1: Probably. He's making drugs. (laughs) He might not be directly doing it, but he is definitely leading the life that allows it to continue. Probably true. (laughs) But obviously, I've been reading Evershore, so...
0: You finished that this past week. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. I don't remember a ton of plot points from Evershore.
1: If it makes you feel any better, I remember a lot of them, but... I really don't want to delve deep and spoil it because honestly, there were a lot of really good things that happened. And because of that, I, I don't want to spoil all of it, but obviously it's a perspective from Jerkface's faces uh, perspective. Yes. And uh, Jorgen wait, Jorgen definitely did some cool stuff like, uh, and he's battling a lot of not cool stuff kind of in his own brain at the same time.
0: Well, we're basically picking up where book two left off, right? Our novella two, is that right?
1: Yeah, a little bit, like
0: because it's they're... going back and discussing basically how Jorgen has to deal with both Spencer's grandmother disappearing and the Admiral disappearing as well from the ship that was going to explode with them on it, right? And Jorgen basically has a complete character 180 from where he started the series because he goes, well, I can't trust you to figure out the right thing to do, so I'm just going to do what I want and make it seem like Cobb told me to do these things or he- that I'm under his orders.
1: Yeah, so it went from like, oh God, I'm breaking the rules to screw it. I've already broken a rule. I might as well break all the rules. Yeah. Part of that, I feel like, his character develops because of... He's been
0: infected by Spencer.
1: No, because he's realized that he can make the risky decisions and come out on top as many times as he did, as well to, like, he's battling a lot of, like, mental health stuff, like, in the book at least a little bit, like... I would arguably say it's kind of like PTSD-ish almost because of the fact that like he's seeing his mom and dad get like blown up multiple times throughout this book. Right. And, and not reliving an, uh, that moment. Yeah, and not opportune times and like he doesn't have the support system of having Spencer there to like talk about things and
0: Well and he sort of is disconnected now from his entire flight, at least when it comes to like his personal life. Yeah. And so he doesn't have any sort of connection there and he doesn't have Spencer. And so it's kind of like you see him kind of struggle mentally, but then he has like this really successful thing throughout the entire novel, not dealing with his mental health. So it's like this weird, like he's struggling mentally, but he's able to do all the things he does in this book.
1: Right. And like, I think the way he was written for this book it's well done. Like again, I think Sanderson nailed it on the head with this one. I don't think he missed any of the important things that were going on. Like he showed that the friendships that he had would help him in the long run of things. So like FM stepped the game up like 100, you know, like she was there for him to try to just keep him in check. Not necessarily be like his shrink, but like definitely there enough to be like, you can get through this, man. We can do this together. And we're a team and a unit for a reason. It's because we've been through a lot of crap together and together we can get through anything. Two notes.
0: One is that it's technically written by Brandon Sanderson and Jancy Patterson together. Yes. So there's another person as well who worked on the novellas. Also the thing there with FM and Jorgen, it was hard for Jorgen to open up to FM, it took most of the novella for that to happen. Right. And it was really only because he was in a situation where he felt like it was either that or they're going to lose this big battle because he can't focus and do his thing.
1: Right. And it's good that he finally managed to do the thing because, boy, it would have gone very south very fast. Right. And, and it kind of did, like, because you realize multiple times FM's trying to get him to talk about the things, even before that. And he ends up blowing his up and sending mind blades at all the kits in. And then she's like, just pump the brakes, dude. Like you need to talk about this. Like right. you can't just keep ignoring this and keeping it in. It's just not healthy for you. And then it's not safe for us. right? Like as a whole, all of us, it is making us not safe and that's not okay.
0: I will say the novella starts out with them on Platform Prime getting a call from the Kitson on Evershore saying that they they have their people.
1: They have two humans.
0: So you, you might want to come get them. Yes. And then we get to spend almost a whole novella with my favorite little fox guys. Yeah. And they're so cute. And I want 12.
1: Yeah. But, like, the big thing of this story is a lot of continuing to build the alliance. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Jorgen continuing to grow his powers and strengthen them intentionally and unintentionally because uh, th- that happened both times, a couple times. And then you really start to get to see the sci-fi-ness and the structure of Detritus a little bit more, which I thought was really great. And I won't go further than that because 100% that's a spoiler if I do. But you see a lot of rig as well doing some cool things with the engineer team and i just i i love the sci-fi stuff so much that like i was eating it up i'm like just give me more like num, nom, right. nom, nom 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 nom
0: there's something about this series that i really enjoy that i think other people may not which is pretty much in every book or every novella you see a different planet or different people and that sort of thing and it's like i like that because it makes it that this universe is so much bigger that way versus staying on detritus after book 1 and just exploring relationships
1: right you get a better understanding of you're not just on this one planet and that's the biggest thing you're you're getting more of an idea of like you're a grain of sand in this just giant universe giant universe mm-hmm. that you just haven't even begun to explore yet.
0: And what's been happening basically since book two is we've seen Spence's foundation being enough that other people can come to the humans and reach out to them for help or give them help and make this alliance and make them stronger and so the Kitsun and the Urdale and the humans are all becoming an alliance together, which I'm sure the superiority do not want.
1: Yeah, the, the reality of it is, well, two out of the three have been allies before. Like the hardest part for the Kitsen persuasion on this was the fact that the humans tried to conquer them the last time they came to their planet. So. Right,
0: and you see that immediately when they do go there. Because one of the kids in tries to have a fight with Jorgen. Right. And it's like, dude, I'm not going to fight you when you're like two feet tall.
1: Well, it, and it was, I think, Nedder that was, or Ned that was getting the uh, threats of like, I will ram my sword through you. And it's like, that's the size of a toothpick, my dude. Like, that's not going to do anything to me.
0: I'm pretty sure they said it was a dagger.
1: Okay. Still super small. Yeah, yeah. And it's supposed to be like a sword to them. So mm-hmm. it's like... No.
0: But I just like this like it's almost like Spencer in One Species. That whole like bluster and attitude and like puffing up and trying to pretend like you're bigger and stronger than you actually are.
1: But I feel like the kids then have to do that because otherwise They're they just tiny. Yeah, they get yeah. overlooked. And so like the reality of it is is even King Hesho was kinda like that already.
0: I mean, I would argue that Spencer also had to do that because she was also overlooked, especially in book one.
1: Well, and she was little, so it's kind of the same thing. Like She was smaller than everybody else, so she had to be loud and apparent. Otherwise, people wouldn't pay attention to her. And that's kind of important when you're trying to make a name for yourself. in something that most people don't expect you to be able to do. So I get that perspective as well.
0: And there ends up being a conflict with the superiority because they see everyone gathering together on the Kitson planet like, excuse me?
1: Yeah, and the superiority's goal is clearly to just quell that uprising completely immediately and just smash it down into little pieces. And that's kind of where, like, everything gets absolutely insane in, like, no time.
0: Well, because the Kitson are so small. And, like, it seemed like, from what I was reading... Their planet is pretty spread out. It's not like the humans who were all in detritus, they seem to be in different islands or different cities throughout the planet. Right. So it would be harder to call up a big enough force to deal with the superiority with all their technology and people and everything else they have to their advantage. And at the same time, you do have the humans coming in to help the kids in.
1: And then you have the Urdal and, like, Wandering Leaf appears out of thin air at one point. And at that point, the superiority goes, you kind of get the vibe that they're going all for nothing or right. f- for bust, you know, like they're going for gold and nothing else. So it's, it's intense. Like it's a really intense battle scene and you really start to see Jorgen shine in his ability to lead Like, a mixed group of, like, warriors, because, like...
0: Well, and, like, we've never seen Jorgen have to deal with conducting such a large battle and being able to get everyone working together the way that they need to in order to make this go well. Right. You kind of see him put himself on the sidelines and go, I'm not going to be flight leader because I have to be the head over absolutely everybody. And I have to see what's going on, and I have to know what's happening.
1: Yeah, so he kind of delegates that role out and then starts taking control of everything. Again, that kind of comes down to his growth with his Cytonic abilities quite a bit as well. So And his
0: leadership, right. too. Yeah. And we also see him do something we've never seen happen before in any of these books so far, because now a planet is orbiting another planet that wasn't there previously.
1: Well, so much for avoiding the spoiler thing that I said we were going to avoid, but yeah, that's... It's a, th- a big deal. It's a huge deal, but that that was kind of the point. I didn't want to take all the big deals out of it, but yeah, yeah since, there's other stuff. since we're already talking about it...
0: There's other stuff.
1: Part of our good friend uh, Riggs' work and his team, yeah, they find out that they can transport whole planets when they only meant to move like four or five platforms... Uh, which is pretty impressive, to say the least.
0: I just feel like it would have been much more catastrophic than it was in the novella. That's my only thing, because it's got such a giant mass and weight and, like, gravity.
1: The way I kind of saw it was, like, it was a larger Death Star, more or less, but obviously, like, no planetary, like, destructo-weapons.
0: That's no moon, that's a planet.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, I get you on that. It's just, it was... A pretty crazy scene, to say the least.
0: And we never get caught up with how Cytonic ends, which was frustrating for me because I was like, okay, I've read three novellas and three books, and now the timeline's going to mesh up together finally. And it ends, like, right before Spencer makes it back onto Platform Prime. And I'm like, the hell is happening.
1: Right. And and that's probably why I'm a little irritated because, like... I was under the impression when we started this that everything was pretty much already out except for like one or two things. And then I realized now that there's a whole other full-size book that I'm going to have to wait for.
0: That's only one thing.
1: That's that's a long time,
0: though. Well, yes, it is.
1: It's not going to come out this year. It's not going to come out. Hopefully, it'll come out next year. It's
0: supposed to come out in 2023.
1: We'll see if that's true because everything seems to be being delayed. But
0: He's pretty good at
1: his... Timelines. Year
0: specifications. He might not know when in the year it'll happen, but he usually is pretty good about that.
1: That's good at least.
0: Unlike some authors. Martin. <coughs>
1: Lynch. <coughs> George R.R. R. Martin.
0: And Scott Lynch. Yeah. Supposedly book four in the Gentleman's sequence was supposed to come out this year. This past year.
1: Well, you'll get it soon. Eventually. No, maybe. Never. never. Who knows? It's never going to happen. Yep.
0: The last book came out in 2013.
1: Probably never coming out then. Congratulations.
0: I've only been waiting for it for like six months, so I'm not actually as devastated as everyone else has been. Yeah. But that's pretty much... Now that we're done with that tangent... (laughs) Sorry. That's pretty much everything except for what we're going to be reading for the next episode that we record in two weeks.
1: Which I will be reading the Matt Fraction Hawkeye comics along with you. Yes. Um, at some point, I will probably be reading other things while we're gone just because, but...
0: I figured four comics in two weeks is not bad.
1: We have a pretty busy schedule during that period of time. I've, I'm trying to plot out things for us to do.
0: You need to get a booster shot. I have tests to get done medically. It's, it's a whole time.
1: So uh, just know that we're probably going to miss you more than we're going to want to do some of the things we have to do this week.
0: But I will make sure that we are trying to stay up on all of our social media and we'll have links for that at the show notes.
1: And then we will see you when we come back. Because this episode will air second of the two that we're recording, even though we're recording it the other way around.
0: This whole schedule is a mess.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, joy. Good night, guys. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.
0: Currently, Benedict Cumberbatch.
1: You know what's funny is I think the filter actually caught most of that. It didn't.
0: Oh, okay. Sometimes it'll look like there's nothing there and then there's something there. So Cutting all care.
1: that then, including the noise.